Hello, and welcome to Accountability Talks with AGA. I'm your host, Paul Marshall. Today, we're speaking with GAO, Jenny Leota, and Michael Holland about Agile. They have a playbook coming up in the next year, and we'll talk to them about how they came up with a playbook and some best practices for agencies using Agile. So, let's start the show. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Today I'm happy to have with us GAO, a couple folks from GAO, Jenny and Michael, and we'll introduce them in just a second, and we're going to talk about Agile. So why don't we start off with Jenny. Please introduce yourself. Hi, my name is Jenny Leota, and I'm Assistant Director in our Science Technology Assessment and Analytics Group at uh, GAO. Great, and Michael? Hi, my name is Michael Holland. I'm an Assistant Director on GAO's Information Technology and Cybersecurity Team. Okay, well, why don't we start off uh, just kind of a very basic level, um, you know, why, you know, why is GAO interested in Agile, um, kind of what, what was the origin of this, because I understand you guys have some guidance that you're putting out as well, and maybe just start off with um, maybe the origins of GAO's interest. Well, if we can start first by talking about uh, how the federal government is moving from an older style of software development to Agile software development. Um, just to give a historical perspective on what's going on here. So traditionally, uh, software development in the federal government has used what's known as a waterfall approach, where you start with a sequential series of steps that ultimately results in a working piece of software, sometimes years after you've actually started to develop the software, right? And at that point, what we've seen is that sometimes that uh, technology that's used uh, is old and outdated by the time you actually have something for everyone to work with. Traditionally, you've gone through a number of phases in developing a piece of working software. Uh, starts with collecting the requirements. You want to understand exactly what it is that you want the software to do. Then you go and design the software, then you develop the software, then you test the software, and then you release the software. And sometimes this might take years. Um, over the course of time, though, um, the federal government has worked to move from this waterfall approach to what's known as an incremental approach to developing software. The goal here is to release software faster uh, in smaller increments uh, so we're not continue along, uh, continuing along this path of developing large pieces of software that take many years to develop and often go over budget uh, and take even longer than they were originally anticipated. Um, the Office of Management and Budget has really pushed towards this move towards incremental development. In 2010, they called for agencies' major investments to deliver functionality every 12 months. And since 2012, they've wanted to see this functionality being delivered every six months. Uh, that's also codified in FATARA where now agency CIOs are required to certify that IT investments are adequ adequately implementing incremental development. And as we've looked at how agencies are implementing this requirement to move towards incremental development, one thing that we've seen is Agile, which is what we're here talking about today, has been the primary way that they've moved towards implementing this requirement for incremental development. So just to build on what Michael was saying, 
for all of our best practice guides, um, back to the first one that was started development in 2005, the primary reason why GAO really gets involved in, in developing this type of criteria is because it's something that we've seen come up in audits or it's a question from Congress. Uh, for example, for the cost guide, um, we would always say in our reports, you know, we're, we did not assess this estimate to see if it was reliable. And so the question was, how can we assess these cost estimates to see if they're reliable? So for likewise for Agile, we'd been doing some audits. Um, the team that I'm on primarily looks at program controls, like uh, cost estimating, scheduling, earned value management, stuff like that. And so we're going to look at their estimates or their schedules, and we're hearing, we don't have to do that because we're Agile. And our response was, was is that true? Right. And so our our team had started doing some research on agile with scheduling when we were developing the schedule guide and you know wanted to make sh reach out to um, the team that Michael is on uh, ITC to make sure that we weren't making any mistakes that we were categorizing stuff correctly um, and that our assertions with regards to scheduling were still were true um, as part of that effort we sort of realized that this could be its own guide. And it was such a big topic, it reached a lot more areas than just scheduling. And so we've been working um, jointly with ITC to to develop the GAO Agile Assessment Guide, which will hopefully be out uh, as an exposure draft next year on our website. Great. So, and let's talk about that guide a little bit. So, um, you know, what what, what did you guys use to come up with this guy? What was your source? To, you know, who did you talk to to kind of put this together? Well, we did a lot of research. Um, GAO is known, we, we do a lot of research in general. So, so that was our, one of our first areas. Um, we also, when we were developing our other guides, we had established an expert group. It's sort of a community of experts who come together and we raise topics with of stuff that we've seen in our research or in audits that we have questions about. So to start uh, an agile expert group, we had identified some people in the cost group who had been helping us with the schedule um, appendix that never came to be on agile. And then um, ITC identified some CIOs and some other uh, technologists or software engineers who could really help bridge that technical side because we had a lot of people from the program side um, we started with like about j over 50 program people and then itc really helped bring in that technology uh, side that we didn't really have connections with and and so we started out with about 100 people on the group back in um, our kickoff meeting was in august 2016 and since then we've grown to about 400 people we've been meeting three times a fiscal year um, we take off the quarter for the holidays because I figured no one wants to work over, uh, uh, wants to come to GAO for a meeting about Agile around Thanksgiving and, and when they're about to break for, for uh, the holiday. Right. So, um, so we've grown to about 400 people since our August 2016 kickoff. And at every meeting, we try to put out uh, another chapter of the guide or we are continuing discussion on chapters and we get comments from the expert group on the work that we send them and then internally we vet them, but sometimes 
we don't know the answer. Um, we do additional research. A lot of times the experts will provide us with additional source data for us to include in our research. Um, but then we sometimes feel like it's something like we need additional input. We want more of a consensus rather than like just the like, uh, it's about six or seven of us who've been on the team solid like for the duration of this effort. And so we feel like we need to go out more than just our small internal group who meets like twice a month at GAO right. and get this um, insight from a broader community. And so we really rely on our expert group to not only provide us the comments, but to help us vet any um, tricky comments that arise. Okay, and then and Michael, what's your uh, perspective on the guide? How have you guys kind of uh, contributed? So from our perspective, whenever we do an audit looking at how a program is implementing agile practices, the first thing we have to do, and prior to the issuance of the guide, the first thing we've had to do is to go out and identify what are the appropriate criteria to use in this particular scenario. And there are uh, quite a number of guidance documents and best practices documents available now uh, for agile, um, but nothing put together in the way that we're preparing this guide so that it can both support people who are doing these kinds of audits and people who are implementing Agile within their organization. So whenever we go in to do a review, we need to spend some time with the program to understand how that particular program is implementing Agile and what are the best practices or leading practices that are most appropriate to apply in that particular scenario. Uh, because agile development can be applied differently in different places and we want to make sure that whatever practices we're using are appropriate uh, for an individual program that we're taking a look at. So I'll give you an example. Uh, back in uh, 2015, we were doing some work looking at the USCIS transformation program, which is uh, a program that intends to take the current paper-based process for applying for citizenship and immigration benefits and turn it into an electronic process. And the first thing that we did is we spent about two and a half weeks just following the software developers around, understanding exactly how they were implementing their particular flavor of Agile uh, so that we would know then when we went out to look for best practices to use in assessing their implementation, we'd be using appropriate best practices. And that process at the very beginning of any audit can take a significant amount of time. Uh, and developing this guide will be helpful from the audit perspective because it'll be something that we can start with uh, it'll, whenever we do these kinds of audits and it'll give not just GAO guidance that we need to do these kinds of reviews, but it'll give the audit community in general guidance that it can use when, it, when they go out, when other entities go out to do these kinds of reviews. Yeah, and just to add to that, one thing that we found in the expert group uh, is that terminology between different like flavors of agile as michael said can be very different and it's really good to sort of nail that down as early as possible and understand what they're talking about when uh, they're they're mentioning um, a sprint and iteration what do they mean by release are they actually deploying software or is it just a time box measure because we've seen both um this uh discussion of terminology is um, so intense that we once had a 45-minute discussion at an expert group about methodology versus framework and how we should identify the different uh, agile 
and we decide on frameworks. So the d different agile frameworks that we sort of mention in the in the guide itself. So. And the guide will be a really useful tool from that perspective, just to provide uh, that common set of terms that we will be using when we're doing our assessments. Uh, so often we may see that different programs are using different terminology, but if we have a common set of terminology that we can translate it that into, then the uh, audit and oversight community will have a more consistent understanding of what's happening across different programs. Right, let me ask about that because, you know, I think folks out there in the, the non-federal world, you know, a lot of folks using Agile, obviously, and, but, you know, there are a lot of flavors of it, as you said, you know, people kind of adopt what they like, don't adopt what they don't like. You know, is this guidance, uh, GAO's guidance meant to be, I mean, it's probably not meant to be prescriptive, but is it best you know, intended to be to try to bring some standards to the language, but also how things are done? Or as you said, when, when if GAO audits you, we're going to be looking that you're following this or, how, you know, explain that a little bit. Well, yeah, about, oh, about prescriptiveness, that's actually one thing that we strive to avoid in all of our best practice guides. So we try to keep our best practices that are that are laid out at a very high level so they could apply to any different framework. And we we have to stick to certain terminology in the guide to make it logical and easy to follow. But we will have a glossary uh, in the back to sort of uh, highlight what we mean when we say these terms. And then also, um, I'm supposed to call it related terms, but I like to call it a Rosetta Stone uh, as well to sort of show where the terms that we're using can also relate to uh, other terms that you might see in different agile things. So. And some of the things I think you'll see coming from this guide is um, we don't intend to be prescriptive, but we, we want to know that the program itself understands consistently how it's implementing whatever flavor of Agile it's implementing. So for example, we want to see, uh, we, well, we reported in July 2012 on uh, effective practices in implementing Agile. And some of the things that we saw there, I'm sure you'll see reflected in our guide. For example, we said you needed to start with Agile guidance and an Agile adoption strategy. So you need to know how you're going to be adopting Agile at the at the individual program or at the uh, department or agency level, you need to have guidance in place so everyone has a consistent understanding of what you mean when you say we're going to adopt Agile here and what practices we're going to adopt. And then when we come in, that helps us have a guide to exactly how an individual program should be adopting whatever flavor of Agile that program or that department or agency has decided to, uh, to adopt. And one thing that's a challenge when we're reviewing the comments we receive from the experts is they sometimes give us these really good ideas about like how to do some topic that we talked about in the guide. But because we don't want to be prescriptive, we don't include that. Um, so to make up for that, we have what we call agile in action uh, and case studies. And an agile in action is where we go out and we have like an agile safari and we go to different programs, um, different uh, places and and sort of see what they're doing on certain topics to provide an example of what we're talking about. And then a case study is a finding from a previous GAO report. So the difference is case study is from a GAO report and the uh, Agile in Action is more based on our research as we work to develop this guide. So that there will be some examples, but highlighted in a way that it's an example and not 
you should do this to succeed because every like michael has been saying every agency every program even is going to be different they're going to and that's the point of agile is to give that flexibility and creativity but still within a framework so that you know where you're doing and you have a process defined that works for that team right so um you know and this kind of leads me to my question of what have you observed out there as far as challenges agencies have in, in implementing Agile? Um, I mean, just for example, I've worked with one in the past where, you know, they did, it was kind of almost like a hybrid approach. So they did do sprints and all that good stuff, but then it was all also kind of a very formalized, waterfall-y feel to it as well. It was kind of a mix of the two. And to me, it just kind of slowed things down, didn't really make it very Agile, even though they were using the terminology. But um, yeah, Michael, want anything that you've seen out there that are some challenges? Yeah, in that 2012 report that I mentioned, we we did also report on challenges that the agencies faced. And some of the things that we reported were that sometimes teams reported they had difficulty collaborating closely. They said that procurement practices didn't always support agile projects. Uh, sometimes teams had difficulty managing iterative requirements where the re- uh, where requirements were changing or evolving over time. Uh, teams had difficulty transitioning to self-directed work. Um, agencies had trouble committing staff. Uh, they had difficulty adopting new tools in a timely manner. The technical environments were difficult to establish and maintain. Uh, the guidance for how to implement Agile in that particular environment might not have been clear. Um, and I think these challenges still ring true today. Yeah, that makes sense. Um... So, and actually going back to the audit side as well, you know, I, I don't know if you have any insight into this, but you know, what, what kind of things is, is that the kind of, kind of things that GAO has found when it's done audits uh, out there, or is this just other feedback you all have seen over, over the, the years? I guess that's for Michael, sorry. <laughs> so these are things that we reported on, two, and this is, these are things that we reported in 2012, and I think that what we've seen uh, anecdotally, at least, uh, over time is definitely consistent with these uh, challenges that were reported back then. So now the guide, uh, I think, so what are some of the, the best practices, I guess, that we're gonna see in this guide? I don't know if you have real specifics with you, but just kind of curious, what, what, what are some of the best practices that you guys did identify and, and did wanna bring out? I guess I'll let Jenny start. So we have several chapters that will highlight different areas of best practices. Um, One chapter will highlight on agile adoption best practices. Um, Another will highlight on uh, requirements decomposition. We're we're working on the name because we were told that requirements decomposition is not a great agile term, but it'll highlight uh, best practices in that area. Uh, Another will look at best practices for establishing and reporting on metrics. Uh, We're also looking at contracting best practices and other and how the program controls best practices outlined in GAO's other best practice guides like for cost and schedule and earn value management will still apply and be tailored to in an agile environment okay that sounds good now and remind me when is this coming out again when is the guide coming out Next year, for sure, we're um, working right now on a schedule and a plan uh, to completion. Uh, there's a lot of internal reviews that we go through, so so we're finalizing, reviewing the comments from the experts, and 
implementing those comments and then uh, putting it all together, getting our case studies, agile in action, uh, graphics, and we're, we're also planning on having a series of animations to highlight challenges and best practices that we talk about in the guide. So it should be a really fun interactive product uh, once it's ready. And um, it is going to be an exposure draft, so it'll be on the website, open for comment for a one-year period, too. Great. Well, and um, I wanted to ask you, Michael, too, uh, one more thing is, um, you know, before the podcast started, I think you had mentioned you guys have been observing some some agencies out there using this, and just to kind of get feedback from that, I mean, is there anything you can share as far as that goes? Yeah, I can talk a little bit about some of the reports that we've issued um, in that uh, 2016 report that I mentioned on the USCIS transformation program, we looked at how that program was implementing key agile practices. And we looked at things such as uh, the extent to which they were completing planning for software releases before initiating development and ensuring software meets business expectations uh, prior to deployment, the extent to which they were adhering to the principles of the framework that that program had adopted for implementing agile software development. Uh, the extent to which they were defining and consistently executing appropriate roles and responsibilities for the individuals responsible for development activities and other things. And, and in all those cases, uh, we found mixed results at that program in implementing these practices that we were looking at. Um, we also, in October of 2017, uh, released a report on uh, TSA's efforts to modernize their technology infrastructure. They have a program called the Technology Infrastructure Modernization Program. And we looked at how that program was implementing various uh, practices for adopting Agile. We found that uh, they had obtained full support from leadership for adopting Agile processes. And they had uh, provided training to enhance their uh, staff's knowledge of Agile software development. But there were things that that program still needed to do, uh, such as ensuring that product owners uh, are engaged with the development teams and have clearly defined roles, establishing a clear product vision that aligns to program requirements, uh, prioritizing backlogged requirements with priority levels and user stories, and implementing automated tools uh, to enable faster system development and deployment. So these are things that are consistent with the challenges that we talked about earlier. Uh, that we had reported on in July of 2012. And then currently, we're doing uh, a report looking at the implementation of Agile software development at the Department of Homeland Security. And it's the first time that we will have used these practices from our Agile guide uh, in doing this kind of audit. And this this review, uh, or this report, will come out later this year. And so it'll give everyone a preview of public preview of some of the things that we'll be talking about in the Agile Guide when it's issued next year. Well, great. Well, I really just have one more question for, for you two. Um, and we'll start with Jenny, but, um, you know, so what do you see as, as the future of, 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 of Agile's use in the government? Are you, I mean, you have a big user group. Are you seeing that most agencies are adopting this? Is it a slow adopt or, you know, what do you see as the future? I think that it'll just expand further in the government. Uh, there's a bunch of pilots out there that are being used to sort of see how to implement Agile in different programs. I know that they're uh, doing one right now involved with the F-35, which is the largest program that the government has ever funded. So it's, uh, I think that it'll only expand in the future. Michael, what do you think? 
Oh, I agree. I think that we'll see more and more um, about agile software development over time. I think it's it's not easy to adopt with all of the uh, controls that programs have to face in the federal environment. And I think that it may take time, that it will take time uh, for departments and agencies to adjust to this type of incremental development. And there'll be some growing pains. Um, but clearly we're seeing a move towards incremental development. We're seeing Agile used more and more. And I think that uh, will continue. Okay, well, Jenny, Michael, I appreciate you coming on today. Uh, I'm looking forward to this guide. I guess I have to wait a year. Oh, well, but I'm still looking forward to it. So I appreciate all the efforts you guys have put forward, and thanks for coming on the show. Well, thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thanks for tuning in. Check us out at aga.org. Have our podcast page there. Check out all our historical archives. We're getting into a good count here in the 20s. We're also preparing for the AGAPDT. We'll be there soon, end of July. We'll have some podcasts recorded on site, so look forward to those. So until next time, this is your host, Paul Marshall, signing off for Accountability Talks with AGA.